Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. How many of you dads like getting up on Father's Day? Yeah. It rocks because you know everybody's going to do nice things for you for once. That was just a joke. You guys always treat us well. Well, okay, most of us. Most of you do. But I'm excited that today is Father's Day, and I get to deliver the message. And if I were to deliver, by the way, if you don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Norm, and I'm wearing the same shirt two days in a row. I just want to tell you, though, I only wore it for two hours yesterday, and I showered last night, so it's not like I'm stinking or something, all right? And I come in here this morning, like 20 people, hey, you wore that shirt yesterday, because they saw me at Jerry and Randy's open house, and I was like, yeah, so? How do you know I don't have four of these? <laughs> I could have. It just looked fitting for Father's Day. <laughs> and thank you, Pastor Roger and Mary, for this gift. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Now don't you feel bad. <laughs> Be strong and courageous. That's today's message. Men, be strong and courageous. Now listen, if you're a woman, please don't be offended at the fact that I'm identifying the men today. If you're a young person and you're not married yet, you're not a dad, you're going to be someday hopefully, so listen in. Start now. The things that I'm talking about here, about Joshua, start now and apply them to your life. It will change your life forever. You don't have to wait till you have kids to become super dad. Be super dad before. Right, Andy? Watching you. Troy? Yeah. My boys are back there. And by the way, I was going to say, my wife and I have four young men now, but we had four boys. So we have earned our stripes as far as parents are concerned. However, we've never had a girl, but we did help raise our granddaughter for about two and a half years. So we got a taste of what you folks have to go through that are raising them young girls. Woohoo! Never seen so much emotion stuffed inside of one little body. Today I want to talk to you about some things that the Lord put on my heart to share with you. Perhaps most important is this. You men are the antennas for God to speak to this generation. Did you hear me say that? You men are the antennas that God uses to speak to this generation. What I mean by that is simply this. God chooses to speak through the men. God chooses to tell us what his heart is so that we can share that first with our families and then with our communities. And here's the thing. When God created Adam and Eve, Adam was just a little bit higher than Eve. He was created first. And he makes the statement throughout Scripture that the man is the head of the house. And what I believe happens there is that we have an advantage over the ladies. This doesn't mean that women don't hear from God, so please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. 
What I'm saying is we have a little bit of an advantage in that God chooses to speak through the men in the family. So we're a little higher. In other words, we can hear better. You know, if you get above the mountains, you, can, you get better cell phone coverage. Because God has placed we men in this position, we can hear just a little bit better than the ladies. Now, in a lot of our homes, you women are heading the homes up spiritually. And listen, all I can say to you is do your best. Especially if you're married and your husband is not involved in the spiritual side of your family. God bless you. I know it's not easy. Our family was out of balance at one time. Many, many years ago, when my wife wore the spiritual pants in our house because I neglected these things. But I want to tell you, men, you can turn this around. And your wives want you to. They do. They want you to be the spiritual leader of your home. So listen in today as we get into this message. Here's the thing. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. We should know the voice of God so well that when he speaks, there's not a doubt that he just spoke to us. Whether it has something to do with you personally, with your family, with your church, with your community, we need to know the voice of God. How are we doing there? How are we doing there? Do you know the voice of the Master, Jesus Christ? Do you know it? Here's the good news at the end of this message today. If you don't, I'm going to give you an opportunity to place yourself in a strategic position where you can begin to hear the voice of God and you'll know it's Him. Because my sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they hear me. Hallelujah. Would you stand one more time as we pray? Father God, I am so grateful that you have given me another day on this planet to preach this message this morning. And I pray for everyone within hearing of my voice, even through the website or a, a CD, however they hear it, Lord, I pray you would anoint this message Empower it, Lord, so that as it goes out, and we know the word never returns void. There's lots of scripture here. But Lord, I pray that you would even now till up the soil of our hearts. God, may it go deep. May roots go down deep. May we be stronger at the end of this message than we are right now. And I include myself in that, Lord. I've got a lot of growing up to do yet. I'm not there yet. Or you take me home. God, use this man Touch my lips with that hot coal, and I pray for every dad in this place that you would bless them today. Those whose dads have gone on to be with you, Lord, I pray that you would comfort them and just remind them of the good times. And Lord, again, we just commit this message into your hands and the very success of it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Remember that men are the spiritual antennas for their families. To me, it makes sense why Satan would go out of his way to try to destroy our men. Because he knows that God wants to speak through us. So he meddles in our lives. He tries to get our, our eyes off of God and onto the things around us, and he does a really good job of it. The devil doesn't want our families to hear from the Lord. He'll do whatever he can to ensure that that doesn't happen. 
Here's why. If men don't hear from God, they won't find their place in the kingdom. And if they don't find their place in the kingdom, they won't be effective on this planet. And if they aren't effective on this planet, then the gospel won't go forth as it should, and our enemies will end up being the winners, and our families will end up being the losers. But here's the thing. The Bible tells us we, point at yourself, we are the winners. Say that with me. We are the winners. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So here's the thing, and I don't intend on this message to beat you guys up, but here's the thing, all right? We, men, we need to get our spiritual pants on, and we need to begin to get into this fight, and we need to tell the devil, no more. No more are you going to have control over me or over my family or over my community. No more. Can I get a good amen? I want to look at ways today that you can build your arsenal of spiritual warfare weapons that will help you overcome the enemy and his tactics and will also help your family to come into alignment with God's plan for his children. We're all his children, right? If we're believers in Jesus Christ, we are God's children, period. I want to start today by looking at an Old Testament Bible character that most of us are quite familiar with, and that is, of course, Joshua. I love Joshua. That guy just seemed to do things right, okay? That's why I'm using him today. He's a great example. If you remember, Joshua and Caleb were the two men out of a dozen that went into the enemy's territory to spy it out, right? This, way, this was way before Israel went into the promised land as the Lord had commanded them to do. What separated these two men from the ten? Caleb and Joshua saw their enemies with God's eyes. That's what separated these two from the other ten. They saw with God's eyes. They were serving God, and therefore they were able to perceive spiritual things differently than the ten that were still living in the flesh. And by the flesh, I'm talking about when you're not including God in what you're doing. Many of us are really good at doing the flesh thing. When we're in the flesh, it tends to result in not the fruits of the Spirit. How's that? All right? Anger. Getting upset with your wife. Getting upset with your children because they did something stupid. Not to say they don't deserve it, I don't mean that, but there are times when we're in the flesh that we can lash out, we can do things or say things that we shouldn't do or say. And that only gives the enemy a leg up. The only difference between a godly man and an ungodly man, as I see it, is that one sees things through God's eyes, the other sees things through his carnal flesh. That's why the other ten spies saw the seven enemy tribes that occupied this promised land. And there were a bunch of them. The Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. They saw them in fear, and they came back with the claim that all were giants, and it would be impossible 
to do what the Lord had commanded them to do. How many of you have faced situations in your life that in the flesh you said, man, I can't do this? Bill, I didn't ask if I could do this. But when you lost your son, Zach, I passed a driver's ed car on the way in this morning, and it just reminded me of you, brother. What you had to face in the flesh was impossible. But with God, you could get through it. And you have, and you've done it well, my brother. You've done it well. Some of you have gone through horrendous situations that were impossible in the natural. But in the supernatural, God was there with you. And he can get you through whatever you're facing today. So don't give up. Do not give up. Hallelujah. Fear separated the ten from the two. Fear separated God's people from his promise. You realize those people didn't go into the promised land because they listened to the ten. And God was so upset with them. He said, you know what? This generation isn't going to see it. This generation's not going in. I want to see God's promises come to pass. I want to see what God has in store for those who love him and who call him by name, Jesus. I want to see what God can do to the enemy as he routes him in the name of Jesus. For too long, we have been taking it. We've been standing here and getting pummeled by the devil, and enough is enough. We've been listening to the wrong one. And it's time that we got up on our high horses and we started saying, Charge in the name of Jesus. If you're listening to this on the website, I'm sorry, because you probably just got blasted. I want to read from Joshua chapter 1. Beginning with verse 6, I have the NLT behind me. Be strong and courageous. What? Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. What? Be strong and very courageous. Do not deviate from them. Oh, excuse me. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then, oh, I love this part, then you will be successful in everything you do. Now, I could spend the whole morning on this, but I'm, I'm not, okay? You go back and you digest this. You meditate on this. I love this part. You will be successful in everything you do if you obey and practice God's commands. It can't get any clearer than that. Verse 8. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you be... Well, I'm sorry. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Wow. When I read that, I just went... I've read this passage so many times. Is, is this in Crown Finance? <laughs> this passage? I'm like, who wants to prosper? 
Who wants to succeed? God is saying, obey my commands. Where do we find them? In the Bible. Hallelujah. Last verse here. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Can you take that to the spiritual bank? The Lord told Joshua to be strong and courageous. Now, I'm getting up in the ears, all right? And I admit it. I'm not that spring chicken. I, I remember when I was Troy's age. <laughs> Woohoo! Man, I felt good back then. I'd leap out of bed in the Okay, I'd get up out of bed in the morning. <laughs> I've never been a leaper. I, I kind of slide out of bed. <laughs> you know, I hate mornings. Anyway, Daryl, when I was coming to go fishing with you uh, the other morning, though, Friday morning, and I crested, I was going up 75, and I crested the big hilltop, and I looked out to the east, and the sun was just, just coming up. Man, it was beautiful, and I thought, oh, that's so cool. And then I realized, that's because you never see it. <laughs> it was new to me, you know. <laughs> oh, that's what it looks like. Anyway, for those of you who know me, I'm not a morning person. Over almost 60 years that I have been alive, and I'm just being honest with you today, I have experienced a lot of moments where I had fear overcome me. How many can say amen? So I'm not in this alone. Fear is a tool of the enemy. Scripture is clear on this. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but one of power of love and one of a sound or sound mind or uh, self-discipline, depending on the verse you're reading from. I feared men. I feared failure. You know, what if I can't raise my family? How many have ever been there? What if we run out of money? It's my responsibility to take care of these young'uns. Fear of responsibility, that's a big one. You know, there were days that I, I wanted to quit my job. But I knew I couldn't because I had a responsibility to support my family. And I wanted my wife to be able to stay home back then so she could raise all of those kids we'd had together. But it wasn't easy. And there were many days when that fear of responsibility kicked in. And then this last one's kind of more recent. Fear of getting old. Perhaps the greatest fear in my life was when I found out we were pregnant. Not me. <laughs> We, I, what, you got a mouse in your pocket? My wife was pregnant, but I helped. We were having our first son, and, and I happened to be working a job that had a low income. We were okay up until I knew we were going to have a baby, and then it was all of a sudden, panic set in. And I realized, you know what, if, if we're going to have this child, she's probably not going to be able to work like she is right now. Therefore, I better up my game, and I started looking around to try to find another job that paid a little bit more than what I was doing. And at the time, I was a, a, a janitor at a local school. 
However, because I lived in Lansing and I had some relatives working in Lansing at Oldsmobile, I was able to get a great job there. They hired me. For some reason, though, it never seemed to really matter whether I was working or not, because as soon as I got hired in there, then I had to get through my 90 days. That was a probation period they gave everybody. If you didn't get through it well, then on your 89th day, they'd say, adios, we don't need you no more. I don't know why I'm trying to talk Mexican, but... I made it through the 90 days, I made it through the year, but then I started hearing all these people talking about layoffs. It was the end of the 80s, and of course, the imports were taking over. And a lot of our factories were shutting down or laying people off. And quite frankly, I was a nervous wreck. Added a lot of gray hairs to my head. I wasn't sure if it was management doing it or the union guys doing it. But I knew one thing, it was fear. And that's what I faced back then. But I made it. I made it through that fear, 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 fear. You turn the news on, what do you see? Fear, fear, fear. They just want you to be so afraid that you don't want to come. You ever see a turtle? When he gets afraid, what's he do? Pulls his head in. You ain't getting that turtle out of there, all right? Unless it's a snapper. Then you might get him out. But you'll be the one that suffers. No, that's how we are when fear comes. We suck our heads in. We, we just try to not to even deal with the situation anymore. And, and that's how I was. And I love to be able to say that's how I was. Because that was the time, 1981, April, when I met Jesus. See, I'd spent almost five years at Oldsmobile up to that point, And now I knew Jesus. And everything changed. That fear went right out the window. Here's the thing, and I learned this early on. Anyone who serves the Lord has nothing to fear. What's the worst thing that can happen to you? You can die. Where are you going? Heaven. Who doesn't want to be in heaven? You should. If you don't want to be, then maybe you're not ready, and you need to prepare for that. This is a journey that is heading us to heaven. The journey's not earth. Earth is just that little part of it, that little... And I, I used uh, that rope that one day, talking about this is earth, and, and the length of this stage is eternity. We've got a long time to spend with God in heaven. But while we're on this side, the enemy uses fear to immobilize us. Is that right? Where we can't move. He doesn't want us to be effective, men. He does not want us to be an effective dad because you are so influential as a parent. Anyone that serves the Lord has nothing to fear. Now, if you were to consider Joshua's scenario in modern terms, so just pull it all the way up to here, would you fear or fight? Fear. 
if you were faced with this same situation? Would you be the two or the ten? I want you to ask yourself that question right now. Which one would you be? And don't jump up and say, oh, yeah, I'd be one of the two. Oh, yeah, I'd get in the fight, because maybe you wouldn't. I want you to be honest with yourself. This is between you and God right now. And I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You can change that. You can change that. You can get in the fight. You can become one of the two. It's not too late. But here's what I'm seeing with some of our men today. We are afraid to speak up or to speak out. We are afraid to minister to our families. We are afraid to represent Jesus to this world. Most of us aren't Joshua's. Rather, we are one of the other ten men that go unnamed. And when I, when I hit this part, unnamed, I started thinking about this and I thought, what does it mean to be unnamed? In the Bible, it's not a good thing. They were just known as one of the ten. Unnamed. That means you brought no glory. You know, we're here to glorify God. Every single one of us, our lives should glorify God in some way, shape, or form. These men did not do that. They were known as no glory guys. That's not who I want to be, brother, sister. That's not who I want to be. I do not want to go down in infamy as one of the ten. I want to be one of the two. Do you remember last week's message? We talked about the three servants and the talents that they were each given, right? And then that last guy, he was thrown out of heaven because of what? Let me share this with you. And I highlighted it. That's my highlight, not the Bible's. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. He was afraid. Fear should not be in our vocabulary when it comes to the things of God. Fear was not something that God gave us. I want God to know my name. How about you? Here's the other side of this. I want the devil to know my name. Oh, great. Here comes Norm again. Get ready, guys. I want them to fear. And that's how it should be, folks. I want to hear, well done, and not throw that worthless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's verse 30. I want God to say, well done. And the only way that's going to happen is if I'm courageous and I don't fear. Can I get a good amen? In Joshua 1, we saw that the Israelites were going up against some of the greatest enemies that they ever faced. Yet, that was where, hear this, that was where the promised land was. Did you hear that? The place the Lord wanted to take the Israelites was smack dab in the middle of enemy territory. Here's what I need you to get. Everybody here, but especially you men. 
The place that the Lord wants to take you is often in the middle of enemy territory. Yet, that was where they would prosper. That was where they would get the victory after victory after victory after victory. Yes, there were challenges. Yes, there were trials. But listen, if God is for them, who can be against them? They knew that he was with them. And thanks to Joshua and Caleb, they went in with the tribes of Israel and they defeated their enemies. And I'm grateful for that because I believe that led up to Jesus finally coming as part of that family. How are you doing with this? You have to overcome the fear of your enemies in order to take the ground that the Lord wants you to have. You have to be courageous. I'm telling you right now that this message is hitting me just as hard as it is some of you. It's not an easy one to take in. Yet, the beauty of it is if we grab hold of this, God is going to do miracles in our families. We've been getting our butts kicked long enough. It's time that we started living as we're supposed to. It's time that we stopped fearing what the enemy's doing and start challenging him. It takes courage, and I admit that. But I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm convinced this is something. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Hallelujah. The Lord told Joshua not to fear, for the Lord was with him. And Joshua knew that he wasn't alone. And that's what each of us needs to get into our spirit man today. Ladies and men, as a follower of Christ, God is with you. As a follower of Christ, God is with you. You are not alone. How many have ever felt alone? Last Monday was a tough day for this man. And then Tuesday, I called the district office and I said, I need your prayers today. Why? Because I felt alone. Was I being spiritual? I needed help. I needed help. And I want to tell you, within two hours after that phone call, I felt the release. I knew it was an enemy attack. I knew it. And I knew I couldn't do it alone, and God was with me. Sometimes all you need to do is ask for help. Don't cower. Don't get down in a little ball. Don't run away from God. Run to him. That's what he wants you to do. Hallelujah. I love what Jesus said to his disciples just before he left. If you love me, obey my commandments. That seems to be a central theme through this whole message. If you pick that part up. John 14, 15 through 17. Verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love that. The Holy Spirit will never leave you. Never. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. 
The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. God is with you, and when you spend time getting the heart of God for your family and for your day, you cannot lose. You will also have a peace that comes along with that, a a peace that only God can give you, and the devil will not be able to mess with you when you're living like this. Hallelujah. Some of us need this. Maybe we all do. God has given us so much, men. He's given us so much. We in America, we are so blessed. And as we continue this series, and I know I've kind of I've taken a little turn with this Stewardship 101, but I still feel this pertains to the gifts that God has given us and the talents. But I'd like you to consider some things that I believed helped Joshua become the man of God that he became. And these are things that have already been given to us. We simply need to take them. Do you realize that that's true? God can give you a talent. Mac, God can give you a preaching talent, but unless you use it, what good is it? It lays there on the ground unused. How many talents has he already given us, and yet we refuse to pick them up and use them? Some of them are spiritual weapons. They will defend you. Some of them are offensive weapons. They will help your neighbors and your community to win battles. But we've got to pick these things up. First thing I want you to realize is that Joshua was Moses' right-hand guy. All right? We all have that, right? What that means is he held up Moses' arms. God places us in positions to either sorry to either tear up our leaders to be a burden or to build them up. So here's what I want you to get out of this. Be a builder not a burden. This might be your boss. Might be your mom and dad. Kids, I'm telling you right now, you determine the atmosphere in your home. If you're constantly fighting with them, you bunch of dummies. Because I used to think my parents were stupid after I was about 14. You know what I'm saying? I got so smart. Smarty pants, smarty pants. Well, that's all that was smart were my pants. And it got me into a lot of arguments and a lot of fights. And, And I definitely, my mom will tell you this today, a lot of those hairs that are gray hair, because I'm... Smarty pants. Be a builder. Be a builder, not a burden. Be a builder, not a burden in your workplace. You know what? You may have the worst boss on the planet. You build that boss up, God will promote you. You may end up in that boss's position. I've seen it happen in my own life several times. Be a builder, not a burden. That's who Joshua was. He was a builder. He built up Moses, and look what happened. He ended up becoming the leader. Hallelujah. Builders are always blessed. Second, Joshua most likely prayed for his friend and leader. I have to assume he did, all right? I really do. I have to assume he did. And I'm quite certain that Joshua loved and trusted Moses. And the one thing that I can tell you today as a leader that Moses needed the most was Prayer. 
We need prayer. There's not a leader on this planet, even President Obama. As hard as it is to pray, pray. Pray. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your parents, kids. They need it. You know, if, if, if your home is a little unpeaceful, maybe it's because you haven't been spending any time praying for mom and dad. Try it. It'll change the environment that you live in. When you invite Jesus, well, we can, sorry. We cannot accomplish anything of value unless Jesus is allowed to be a part of it. When you invite Jesus into your life and your family's life, God can do miracles. When you invite Jesus into your job and your ministry, he can do great things in and through you. Here's the problem. The problem is many men neglect this spiritual side, this art of praying. And their family suffers, and even their community suffers, as I believe we're seeing today. Be a man committed to praying for your leaders and for your family. Stop giving the devil room to move. Hallelujah. And I, I just shared this. Oops, sorry. Missed that one. You belong to God, my dear children. You've already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in this world. Amen. Joshua was loyal to Moses, and Joshua prayed for his leader. What else can we say about this man of God? I believe it's this. Joshua didn't do anything until he knew that his God was with him. I think too often, men, we step out into areas that we shouldn't without seeking counsel, without praying, without asking friends to pray with you. How could Joshua know when God was saying go and when God was saying no? How could he know that? Joshua lived for the Lord. That's how he knew. Joshua lived for God. He spent time with him. He knew his voice, John 10, 27. I've already shared that. He knew what pleased God and what didn't please God. By following the Lord's commands and by living them out, Joshua was keen to what God wanted him to do next. He was privy to it. And when you're doing the things God's called you to do, you are going to be prosperous and you are going to be successful. Period. Now hear this part. Joshua didn't have to pray every single time that he came to a crossroad. He simply knew what the Lord would have him do. And that's the beauty of getting to know the Lord. When you get to know him intimately, you're just going to know what you're supposed to do next. It, it isn't always a matter of prayer, though, although that should always be foundational. But when you get to know him so well, there are going to come times when you're just going, I know what I need to do. It's a no-brainer, because you know God's heart. Men, you are being called to lead your families, just as Joshua was called to lead the people into the promised land. But you have to know the voice of God before you can do that. Just as Joshua knew God's commands, you should know the Bible inside out. By knowing God's word, you will know what God wants you to do. Ooh, it's getting quiet. I heard that cricket. <laughs> Each one of us should be 
students of the Bible, especially the leaders of our families. By knowing God's Word, knowing what He wants you to do, you will bring a peace into your home. You will also experience accomplishment and self-worth that you haven't had before as you begin to live God's way. I want to finish this message by looking at one more very important thing, and then I'll close. But this one thing must be a part of your spiritual arsenal. And it has to do with what we've already been talking about. But what I'm saying today may seem like a no-brainer to most, but I'm surprised how many men neglect this one area. Maybe it's even a sub-area of what I've already talked about. But let me ask you this. When you look for a house to live in, what do you look for? How many own homes or live in apartments or mobile homes or what? Nobody lives in a tent, do you? I know one or two of you live in, a, in, a, in an RV, a camper. So do you look for the minimum space required? I'm amazed at the people today that do. Have you seen those? 200 square foot tiny houses that seem to have everything. That uh, Not all of them have bathrooms. Some of those decide to... Go outside for that. Showers outside usually. 200 square feet. What is wrong with these people? Man, I want room for me, for my wife, for my kids, for my stuff. You know? I mean, that just ain't going to do. Maybe, maybe you're one of those that just wants a real small footprint so you don't use up too much of the stuff. I'll take your space. <laughs> you look for things that will fit you, that will fit your budget, your lifestyle, most likely all the junk that you own. For Bar- Barb and I, we hadn't really thought about the need for anything bigger than an efficiency apartment. That's how we started. We got married. I was 18. She was 19. And we moved into this. It was a little bigger than that. Little efficiency apartment, underground our windows were ground level. Man, we were happy. All we really needed was a bed because we loved each other. And that's when we got out of work, man, we were sleeping people. We didn't even need a kitchen, did we? Because we went out and ate almost every night, pretty much. Shower and a bed, that's all we cared about. Then we got some ants crawling through our, we couldn't get rid of them. I think we lived on their nest. I'm not sure. But finally, the, uh, the landlord came in. He said, hey, I'll tell you what. We just built these brand new apartments out west of town here. And we're going to make you a deal. We're, we're going to let you move in there. Won't charge you extra. You know, you just have to pay your deposit and stuff for the new one. Two bedroom. I mean, it was like, whoo two bedrooms. It was cool, and here's the best part. I went in the bathroom, and it had a seal over it. Nobody had used that yet. I was the first one that got to tear the seal off the commode. (laughs) We were living high on the hog at this point. Nice living room, big bathroom, kitchen, even a little dining area. That was nice, wasn't it? Brand new apartment. And then we found out she was pregnant. 
Man, that'll put a kibosh on any dream. At least for a little while. We were enjoying the playboy life. Oh, we loved it. But all of a sudden, we realized, hey, <laughs> this place ain't big enough. Plus, it was an adult-only apartment. <laughs> so I had to go back to the landlord and say, got a problem here. We're about to have a baby. And they were so nice. They said, listen, you guys look for a place. You find one, great. We'll let you out of your lease. We won't charge you. And we're like, yes. And we found a nice home on a little side street, not far from where we lived. Little two-bedroom, full basement, almost an acre lot. It was awesome. It was our place. And it was big enough for us to house my wife, my kid, and all my stuff. We lived there about five years, and then because our family kept growing, we had to find a bigger house for my wife, my kids, and all my stuff. Most of us, hear this, will do whatever it takes to find the right place for ourselves and our family so that we're comfortable. Most of us are at least smart enough to take care of the basic needs that we face every day. Amen? Most of us. Though most of us are smart enough to find an earthly home, how many men forget or ignore the fact that we are also spirit? And as such, we have to take care of the spirit man. That means having enough room for the Holy Spirit to live in us. I chose 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. Don't you realize, Paul said, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, and who was given to you by God, you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Think about that. How we doing there, men? How we doing there? If your kids watch you, do they see you taking care of this? I've been failing lately. I have not exercised. I haven't been showing my kids how to do it right. Every night I sit down and have a bowl of ice cream and cookies. It's taking its toll on this man. Not that ice cream and cookies are a bad thing in moderation. Just don't eat the whole half gallon at one sitting. Or the dozen cookies. This is a question, men. How many want the premier spiritual weapon? Just, just some of you, you chickens. Come on, we're talking about being courageous. How many of you men want the premier spiritual weapon? Every guy in this room should have their hands up. You already know what it is, don't you? That weapon is the Holy Spirit. He will not only guide you into all truth, we've already read some of that, but he will counsel you when you face a crossroad. He will also help defend you when you're in enemy territory, and that is going to happen if you're following God. So similar to ensuring that you have room for your wife, your kids, and all your stuff, you also need to pay attention to your spiritual house that houses God, the Holy Spirit. Now one of my favorite authors, and, and he lived through the early part of the uh, 20th century, 
is Watchman Nee, and he said this, and I quote, The Spirit is both a builder and a dweller. He cannot dwell where he is not built. He builds to dwell and dwells only in what he has built. He wants to build something out of you. He wants you to be the house that houses him. But he has to do the building. In other words, you have to do it God's way, not your way. Too many of us are trying to do it our own way. We're living in the flesh. And because of that, God can't even put a little sign on the front door without you going, Oh, wait, 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 wait. What are you doing there, Lord? (laughs) I don't know if I'm in agreement with that now. Come on. (laughs) What do you mean, welcome? (laughs) Are you hearing me? Do we do this? Wait, Lord, no, I mean, you're, you know, I'm all right with the spiritual stuff so, to some degree, but I think you're taking this just a little too far. It's truth. It's hitting me too. <laughs> you ain't the only ones. You are not the only ones for you grammatical people. God the Holy Spirit wants to live in you. Point to your neighbor and say, he wants to live in you. This is not male exclusive now. We're talking about every person in this room. So don't be just looking at the men going, (laughs) he's really getting you today. All of us are included. He wants to build in you. By, By allowing him to do so, you are building your spiritual arsenal and you will eventually... Get to the place, as you grow up, as you mature, where you cannot be defeated by the devil and his minions. So if you're still getting your behind kicked, it's probably because you ain't there yet. But you need to start putting God first in your life. Let him live in you. Build that relationship. Study his words. And obey his commands. I believe that's why Jesus was such a success all the way to the cross. From the time John baptized him in water, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And he, he guided him. He brought him to the cross. Do you think Jesus feared that? I can guarantee you he was not looking forward to it. But he got through it thanks to the Holy Spirit. He got through that moment, and because of that, you and I are now offered salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I believe this. There are men in this room, and I'm picking on you now, that God has a specific plan for you to take either your family or a co-worker or someone into the promised land, but the devil has been doing all he can do to put fear in you and over you to where you're just going, oh, I can't do it. It's impossible. He's too big. Enemy's too big. And God's saying, no, he's not. No, he's not. I've already given you the victory. Let me finish this thought up. Jesus was one with God, and he wants you to be one with him. That's the beauty of this whole thing, this this letting the Holy Spirit live in you. 
Jesus was one with God, and he wants you and me to be one with him. Listen to John 17, 22 and 23. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. That's how God wants to live with us. He wants us to be one with him. But it takes, listen, it takes sacrifice. If you've heard a message that says Christianity, oh, you should just always have good times. That's from the devil. Just read the New Testament. They didn't always have good times. They went through some pretty serious stuff, like getting hung. That's pretty serious. But they got the victory. And just like owning an apartment or a home is work, right? There are also sacrifices to be made in order to have the best spiritual weapon available. One more quote from Watchman Nee, and then I'm going to get ready to close. Attempting to follow him, God, that's mine, Without denying the self is the root of all failures. Sometimes there are things we have got to deny. When the flesh sits there, and and listen to me, we really have it rough today because everywhere we go, we see things that tempt us. Thanks to television, your phones, your iPads, billboards, whatever. We have to deny these things rather than let them take hold of us. And by denying them, it makes room for God. When you deny the flesh, it makes room for God. Say that with me. When you deny the flesh, it makes room for the God, the Holy Spirit, so He can live in you and have a bigger place. I want to get to the point where there's nothing left in me but Holy Ghost. I want people to know that I'm one with God. And the only way that's going to happen is if I'm willing to make a sacrifice and deny the self. Would you stand? How many want spiritual success? I know I do. How many want to hear God say, well done? I know I do. But you have to do your part. You have to make room for God, the Holy Spirit, to live in you. And it may cost you something now on this side of heaven. It may cost you. You may have to deny some of those things that you would really like to have. But it'll be worth it in the end. Wherever you sacrifice for God and make more room for Him less room for flesh, you are going to be blessed. You are going to be rewarded. There's no question in my mind. You're also going to be building your heavenly bank account when you do things God's way. Hallelujah. (laughs) The best thing of all is that you will be best friends with your God. That's the relationship he wants with you. He wants to be your friend as well as your Lord. Man, you have been called for such a time as this 
Your responsibility, similar to Joshua's, is to lead your families and the church into the promised land. That's the place where God wants you to live. It takes courage, yes. It costs you, yes. But in the end, you will be rewarded. It's in times like this, where it seems the odds are against us, that we cannot win, that we need to rise up and overcome our enemies, just as Joshua did. Can I hear a hearty amen today? And I quote one last scripture, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Hallelujah. So I close with this. There's not a person in this room God doesn't love. Don't care what you've been through. Don't care how bad you've been. You've been you maybe have been meaner than a junkyard dog. I don't care, neither does God. He can handle that. He's got some bad on his side too, only his bad's good. He's the baddest good guy there is. <laughs> And he's up there and he's saying to us today, I didn't send my son to the cross so you could die in your sins. I sent him there so you could be saved. So you could get to know me on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wants you to know him. But you have to let him in, folks. Dad, you have to take charge. You've got to stand up and be courageous and not fear what the enemy is doing to you. Say enough is enough. I serve the living God, Jesus Christ. And by doing that, you put him on notice. <laughs> you start leading your families in prayer. You start challenging them to take a stand for the good. And watch how the Lord moves in and through you, in and through your kids. I'm proud of all of my boys. I really am. There's not one of them I'm more proud of. Because, and they haven't all been perfect, but they love Jesus and they're trying their best to serve him. That doesn't mean that I haven't made mistakes as a dad because I made a bunch of them growing up. But God took those mistakes and he made them right and he'll do the same with you so stop wallowing in self-pity and going oh man i've blown it i can't do it i've been such a terrible dad stop it who are you fearing again but the enemy who's telling you you're no good god's saying you're mine and i love you Stop being like this. I've given you everything you need, every spiritual weapon you need. Start standing up and saying enough is enough. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at gaylorchurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.